Good afternoon. I take refuge in the Buddha, awakened mind and our all, all of our potential for awakening, realizing true nature. I take refuge in the Dharma, the truth, the fundamental truth of all things. And I take refuge in the Sangha, this embodiment, this community. This is a poem from a collection of poems called The First Free Women, a translation of the Terigata. Her name means delighting in beauty. Haven't you spent enough time comparing your hair and your clothes and your face to the hair and the faces and the clothes of those around you? See the body for what it is. See the body for what it is. Real beauty is in the clear, open light of the non-judgmental heart. Real beauty is in the clear, open light of the non-judgmental heart. Gratitude and appreciation to all of you for taking up this task of presence and love stepping into the fire of the moment and allowing all that is extra to burn away. Fire is a very real analogy for us here in Northwest Oregon, sitting in the hazy, smoky, humid air, humid air, the governor has declared a state of emergency and a number of participants have emailed expressing um, family members needing to evacuate and changes to their session plans and schedule. The towns of Talent and Phoenix have been burnt down. Most people were able to evacuate. And please send Prayers of compassion and blessings to those who have lost their homes, whose sense of safety and security is compromised. May cooling rains extinguish these fires in California, in Washington, in Oregon, all over the U.S. May all beings find true safety and contentment. There are other fires burning. So may all beings who do not feel secure and safe in this moment find true safety and security. Read a teaching that feels potent from Hakuin. 
during the Gembun era, a fire broke out at the, neighbor, at the neighboring Namazu post station. I sent two of my monks and our old servant, Kaku Zeman, to find out what was happening. Kaku Zeman came running back, grasping for breath, and made the following report. Ah, there's nothing as terrifying or as hateful as fire. 800 dwellings suddenly reduced to ash. How damaging and destructive it is. And yet it also has a trait that I admire. What would that be, I asked. This is Hakuin. It occurred to me on considering how rapidly fire spreads in the darkness, that if it burned with a black flame, it would destroy many more human lives. And I probably wouldn't have returned here alive. It is fortunate that its flames burn so brightly, even tiny fires small as a bean or grain of wheat flicker like stars, almost as if they had a consciousness of their own. Kakuzaiman's words set me thinking. I turned them over and over in my mind. It's an important quality of a Zen practitioner to take in teaching and to, to let it just turn over and over. Turn them over and over in my mind, the black fire of impermanence, birth and death, moves with wind-like speed, never ceasing day or night, and consumes us all. Not a single person, young or old, exalted or lowly priest or lay person, wise or foolish, can escape its destruction. Yet no one shouts, fire, fire. Moreover, the principle of karmic retribution, cause and effect, works with perfect clarity right before our eyes. Even the smallest, minor evils are consumed in this fire, burning like dim stars in the night. The most frightening thing is that most people remain unaware of this until sooner or later they are completely enveloped in the flames. It is truly sad. I shouted, Kakuza! Kakuzaiman looked up. Don't say that you've returned here alive and unharmed. Don't you know you've been burnt to a crisp? You're a lump of charcoal. Kakuzaiman sat with a blank look on his face. I gave a loud shout. His blankness only deepened. Another Zen interaction by Zong asked Mao Zhu, great teacher, Master Ma, what is the crucial thing about this practice? What is the crucial thing about this practice? Master Ma replied, it's just the place where you let go of your body and your life. Deepa Ma says it this way, just let go of body and life with all the love in your heart. With all the love in your heart, trust this wordless moment. Don't need to figure it out. 
don't need to get it right, don't need to be the best. At some point, perhaps during practice, we get tired of believing our thoughts and stories about ourselves and about our life. Thoughts, from one perspective, are so limiting. Just conditioned. They can be so certain. So certain. This isn't working. I'm a failure. I'm not doing it right. Something's wrong. I just need to. I don't know what to do. Certainty can be a kind of addiction. Needing to know, needing to be right. Because if I'm right, I'm safe. Perhaps that's the logic. It attempts certainty to tell us how things are, to protect us from, and that's the place of investigation. What does the I know mind, the I'm right mind, the I need to be right mind want? What is it trying to do? The reality of impermanence, perhaps that is what these thoughts are protecting us from from seeing clearly this black fire of impermanence that's burning all of the time. And to see that clearly, we are thrust into a kind of uncertainty. Told with a positive spin, we call it the great mystery. The unknown, which is actually always now. If we could open up to what we don't know in a given moment, just like entertain all that you don't know, what you don't know about the internet, what you don't know about how Zoom works, about fires, about the coronavirus, about the purpose of your life, about black holes, about the other people, on Zoom, about consciousness, about true beauty, about truth, about the history of our species, all the languages you don't know how to speak, how animals perceive reality, how fish see. We're so limited in our knowing. Every moment, so much unknown. And yet, we believe this little voice in our head, this tiny little sound that says something and then it just vanishes in the moment it speaks. We believe when the mind says, oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. This isn't right. 
I need something else. I want. Something's wrong with what? With who? With what part of the mystery is wrong? What part of this vast web of interconnection is wrong? This tiny tension in my heart, this feeling of sadness. When you encounter the mind thinking a thought that has so much certainty behind it, one way to poke a hole at it is just to ask, well, is this true or what else is true? Something's wrong, well, what else is true? I want, well, what else is true? And be willing to entertain other perspectives. Perhaps that's one of the gifts that Zen practice or Sashin practice can give us. Like the possibility of entertaining other perspectives. There's, there's definitely freedom in that. Mirror, like fire, is sober in its honesty. And this Sashin, we've been exploring mirror-like awareness. One way is through the practice of mirror gazing. For those of you who are engaging with the practice of mirror gazing, how many faces do you have? There's this famous Zen koan or question, fundamental question. Before a single thought arises, what is your original face? Before a single thought arises, what is your original face? You can try looking now. Just rein in the tendrils of thought for a moment. The way is that thought reifies a sense of self. So let the mind get quiet and look. What are you? Who are you? Where is this face? And try doing that the next time you look into the mirror or at, on your computer at your own face. Gazing at the face, gazing into your own eyes. I like to ask this, who is looking back? It's crazy. Gazing out into space gazing out into this room, whatever room you're in, is anyone looking back? I do that, I see a bunch of faces on the TV. Gazing into your own face, who is looking back? 
Can you let yourself be seen through? That starts to get quite interesting. Be the face in the mirror looking back at who? Which one is the reflection? Which one is you? After doing this practice this morning, I walked out into the garden and we have these big squash plants with huge leaves. And I saw all these faces looking back at me. Oh yes, there are faces everywhere. Which is another way of saying everything is alive. It's interesting to entertain. Well, can the squash plants see me? How do they see me? Can the walls, are the walls looking at you? The floor. Does anything change internally when you have the sense of being watched? That's interesting. Perhaps we're always being witnessed. And maybe not in a creepy way. Maybe in a way that has a lot of integrity, actually that we are actually responsible for everything that we encounter, everything that comes into the field of awareness is part of our responsibility, not solely ours, but part. So what can we do to care for this earth, all beings, this house, this monastery. The author of the Precious Mirror Samadhi, which we're chanting every morning and is part of the liturgy that we sent out, is um, great teacher Dongshan in Japanese Tozan who's the founder of the Saodong School or the Soto School of Zen Buddhism, which is still alive and well today and we're lineage holders of that school. When Dongshan was leaving his teacher, he asked, if someone asks me what the essence of your teaching is, what should I tell them? Now, if you ask that to Hogan Roshi, he would ask you, he would just turn it right around. Say, well, what do you think? But his teacher, Dungshan's teacher said, just this is it. Just this is it. Just this is it. I have no idea how he emphasized it. But it's a potent phrase and I invite you to carry that one around for a while. One this one phrase can open on so many different levels. What does it mean to truly trust just this is it? 
fundamental freedom right here, wisdom and compassion right here. What this? Well, Dungshan heard the words but didn't quite understand their depth and left his teacher. And this is an interesting situation. You can put yourself in it. Like, I asked my teacher what the essence of his teaching is the day that I'm leaving. And then I leave, not understanding. After spending all those years working with them, I leave unsettled. I actually haven't grasped what my teacher has been trying to tell me all of these years. This is a highly valued quality in Zen, though. Great doubt. A skillful teacher is willing to light the fire of inquiry in a student or to nurture a fire that's already burning. So his teacher lets him leave unsettled, unresolved, trusting that, you know, working with Dongshan for all of these years, trusting that he will see it through, he will carry that question. It's the same kind of unresolved, unsettledness as I spoke about when I told the story of Kakuzan Shido, who noticing when she looked in the mirror that she could not rest, her gaze persisted in, you know, that, that unsettledness that, oh, I'm not quite clear here, wasn't something she just said, well, I'm clear a lot of other places, so I'll let that go. Or like Dungshan, like, I, I understood 80% of what he taught me, so I, I can let that go. No, it was like, oh, here's the edge of my practice. Let me walk into that. Let me persist, not knowing what is going to open up from doing that. We all do this. That's why we're here, speaking to the people who understand this most. So Dongshan being a diligent student, having determination, not necessarily bent on getting something, but willing to sit, to walk, to be in the presence of, to keep company with this burning question. And maybe he had no choice. Maybe it just persisted, followed him into sleep. Just this is it. This is it. Just, just here. What is this? What is it? Or, you know, with a little more content, am I content now? Am I content now? Do I have all I need? Is everything fundamentally okay? Am I truly at ease? Is the present moment enough? Is there anything outside of my awareness? Am I safe? Am I fundamentally safe? If I die tonight, will I still be safe? If everyone I, loves, I love dies, will I still be okay? Will they be okay? Is the world okay as it is? 
taken deeply in, this question is wordless. This statement is wordless. It's seeing, it's hearing, smelling aware, aware. Maybe that's all it is, aware. Bird, tree, smoke, aware. Dongshan practicing meticulously carrying this question, however he did, after years, was crossing a bridge and looked into the water and saw his reflection. And that was a turning, that was an opening. Something was clarified in that moment, simple moment. Wasn't looking for an answer from the river, probably. Wasn't screaming to the river, tell me what my teacher meant. But through his presence and patience and pondering, looked into the river, saw his reflection and something open. And he said, now I see it everywhere. It's just I myself, but I am not itself. Understanding this way, I can be as I am. The first part of that was long seeking it from others. I was far from reaching it, but now I go by myself and I find it everywhere. It is just I myself and I am not itself. Understanding this way, I can be as I am. Gazing into the mirror opens the door for many insights. I look in one eye and I'm my brother. My grandfather, age 20, going off to war in the Navy. In the other eye, I'm a snake, a bird, a deer, I'm nature. I look in both eyes together and my skin tones change. I greet ancestors I've never met. Gaze resettles, I focus on nose. Young girl at a junior high dance, a friend of the boy I just danced with, tells my friend she has a big nose. Big nose, new nickname. I watch nose flare with the outbreath. Face flattens like a portrait, a piece of art so complex, so beautiful. I'm in love. Face transforms, disappears, becomes shadow, becomes pixelated, smudges of light, eyes looking through me, the whole room looking through me. Now I, this position, is mirror. Everything is reflecting in me. The mind wants to understand reflection. The mind judges the mind that wants to understand reflection upon reflection. The mind's content, reflection, I am reflection. Gazing into anything deeply, a universe is revealed.
mirror, face, contain many truths. We can gaze and a memory is ignited. We didn't go looking for that memory, it just appears. It just appears now too in the mirror of the mind. A memory is ignited and plays out and is released and sometimes we call that purification. If we just let be, feelings and thoughts move through perhaps related to the changing dimensions of the face, perhaps not. Gaze and things transform in our gaze. Gaze and things transform in our gaze. We bear witness to impermanence. We do. The dance of light and shadow, whose face is this? Which face is the true face? This is the insight into no self. No fixed self. Can't say that the reflection in the mirror is you, yet it is not not you either. Dangshan says, facing a precious mirror form and reflection behold each other. You are not it, but in truth it is you. Attention and the apparent objects of attention behold each other. Behold each other, so intimate. In Dzogchen, this image of mirror is the third and fourth freely resting precepts, mirror and its appearances. The first is mountain. We've been unintentionally exploring them during this practice period. Freely resting as mirror. It's from Keith Dalman. It is as if all appearances are magically created. Magic in the sense that no I creates them. No I, capital I. No I creates them. Thoughts appear of themselves. You do not create them. Sensations appear of themselves. You do not create them. Ideas, emotions appear of themselves. You do not create them. They appear and vanish, appear and vanish. Flashing, flowing on this precious mirror of awareness. And since they are inseparable from the mind that sees them, we call this life, our life. I often say that attention is an act of love. Attention is an act of love. When we attend to something, it transforms and we transform too. We are always actually being transformed. Nothing about our experience is 
static. Throughout a day of Sashin, you've been many thoughts, beings, moments. So attending to your face in the mirror, the meaning of your face, the relationship you have to your face, has the potential to transform. Jogan talked yesterday that sometimes during Sashin, we cover the mirrors in the monastery as a skillful means to help us take away that energy we have in reifying ourselves. You know, glance into the mirror, yep, still there. We, we make our mirror face. Taking up mirror gazing, you can only make your mirror face for so long. Taking up mirror gazing, we are looking directly and honestly. And this is what I love about Sashin. It's like, no more games. Let's just look directly and honestly at this place of reification. Without the mirror, we look directly and honestly at ourselves as we are nakedly. We see the thoughts that make up our reality. So taking up mirror gazing, we are looking directly and honestly at this place of reification and perhaps transforming our relationship to our reflection. After a day of mirror gazing, after an hour of mirror gazing, will you ever see your face the same way? What about a week of mirror gazing? So attention is an act of love. I say this because as we behold our face and study our face, you come to, could come to loving yourself in a different way. Loving this reflection, this dance of light and shadow this interconnected being that contains their ancestors, contains earth and water and minerals and fire. Deepama says, first you must be your own best friend. And can you love this face in all of its states? Morning face, Sleepy face, angry face, bored face. And can you love this life in all of its nuance and complexity? It all starts with attention. Mirror gazing also teaches us not to hold to expectations. It can. To approach each moment fresh. So that's maybe more of a caution too, not trying to recreate an experience that you had with the mirror yesterday or last sitting period. Not trying to get something, some idea of what you should be seeing not trying to make the, tra- the face transform in ways that you would like to, not even trying to make yourself love the face. 
with just being present with I say often and we say often that practice is not trying to get something. And yet, effort is a very important quality. Enthusiastic perseverance. I like that translation. Sometimes it just comes down to willingness. Willingness to show up for your life moment by moment. To sit in the conditions of this body. To sit and keep returning. Staying in the bare essentials of the moment. This is hard work. That's why we create all of these conditions for Sashin communal practice, accountability, structured sitting times, a schedule that's quite rigorous, to keep us doing the thing that the mind, part of the mind really doesn't want to do, to see through itself. One more teaching from Deepama. Deepama says, patience is one of the most important virtues for developing mindfulness and concentration. Patience is forged by constantly meeting the edge. If you stay with your meditation practice, it is inevitable that difficulties will arise. In the most challenging situations, merely showing up, being present, may be all that is possible and it may be enough. Kate Wheeler recounts the effects of this kind of patience in Deepa Ma's life. She had seen her mind go through every kind of suffering and was able to sit through it. Later, when she came out of that fire, there was something very determined, almost frightening about how she could look at you because she had seen herself. There was nowhere to hide. She exemplified that you can't just sit around thinking about getting enlightened. You have to take hold of these truths at the deepest level of your heart. She had seen for herself there is nowhere to hide. We can think about the teachings, but are we really doing it? That was another one of Deepa Ma's favorite, or her students' favorite Deepa Ma quotes. She would just ask people over and over again, well, are you really doing it? Don't just think about it. Really do it. Put these practice instructions as best you can into practice. We can't control what will happen next. We can't control the results of our efforts. 
But what we can do is make effort every moment to be fully present, to be fully engaged with our life. And we can renew that intention over and over and over again. And that intention, really putting effort into just being present, takes a whole lot of courage. Because it's stepping right into the unknown now. Right into the unknown now and staying there. Seeing through all our strategies as they come up. And please be steadfast. And that's why I think Deepama always emphasized also, do it with all the love in your heart. Let your practice be motivated from love, from your deep sense of wonder or curiosity or love for all beings or those that you do love, love for your own life, gratitude, appreciation. doesn't help so much if it just comes from should. And Chosen Roshi says the Dharma will clean up all motivations. So please be steadfast. No matter where you sit, stand, walk, lie down, play, or work, you each of you have the causes and conditions for awakening. You are endowed from the start. 